welcome to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast, where we talk about leading your church and leading your team in biblically formed worship. What is up, worship leaders? My name is Dalton Schaefer, and this is my channel, Spirit Truth, uh, where we talk about how to help you lead your church and lead your team in biblically formed worship and spirit and truth. And today, I've got a special guest, uh, a friend, uh, but also uh, my academic advisor at my seminary, Adrian Tijarina. How was yes. that? Did I do okay? <laughs> yeah, it was great, man. Uh, great job man. with that. Yeah, it's, it's great to be uh on the channel with you, man. Uh, I've been watching your uh, channel grow just over the months and uh, it's a blessing to be here, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad to have you. Adrian, I want to give you a chance. I know you work at Western Seminary and you're also a worship leader. And so for anybody listening right now, why don't you tell them what is your role at Western and how uh, are you involved in leading worship? Yeah. So, yeah, my name is Adrian Tijerina. I am a, um, a worship leader in the Portland area. Um, I'm married to my wonderful wife, Alex. Uh, we've got three kids uh, and another one on the way. So um, I started seminary with two kids, and now I'm going to end seminary with four, which is pretty wild. Um, yeah, I've been at Western uh, for a few years uh, and then also on staff. Uh, I'm a Master of Divinity student, and uh, before that I was a uh, have my bachelor's degree in music uh, from uh, Metropolitan State University of Denver, where I uh, focused on vocal pedagogy uh, and music education. So just kind of learning uh, how to do all those things formally. Yeah. Uh, at Western, I'm an academic advisor, which means I help students navigate uh, their, their time through seminary. Uh, I got plugged into Western after uh, getting to know uh, Dr. Gary Bershears. Uh, who has been just a tremendous friend and mentor uh, for me uh, as I've just kind of navigated seminary. But uh, yeah, Western is a tremendous place uh, full of really great and close connections. So it's it's a pleasure, man. It's It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I love Western. Uh, I've been a student at Western for four semesters, um, which is, it's been incredible. Uh, great professors like Todd Miles, Tim Mackey, all these uh, incredible people, Ryan Lister. Uh, there's just so many great uh, people, like you said, Gary Brashears as well. Um, but great school. And we've gotten to know each other uh, when I applied and, and got a letter back with your name on it and kind of connected mm -hmm. with you. And you've been helping me navigate that for the last uh, year and a half. And so mm -hmm. uh, I'm excited to have you on the channel today. And we're going to talk a little bit about <clears throat> worship leading, uh, how long you've been doing that. But then we're going to jump into a conversation about seminary and maybe why uh, maybe a worship leader watching this right now might even consider, maybe they've never considered uh, furthering their education in seminary. And maybe that's, that might be the right option for them. Maybe it's not, uh, but we want to talk about that today. So with worship yeah. leading, uh, how long have you been leading worship? Yeah, it's wild. I've started leading worship in uh, 2006. Uh, cool. I had just come to faith in Jesus at the age of uh, 21. Uh, so um, uh, once somebody figured out I could play guitar, um, I was kind of grafted in uh, to do music, which I found out is kind of the, the common uh, common occurrence of what happens there. Yes. Um, I was actually in community college uh, studying uh, music. And so uh, one of my piano professors um, kind of pulled me aside one day and said, hey, there's a 
there's an opportunity uh, for you uh, to serve uh, at my church. He was the, the pianist and the organist at yeah. um, Hemet United Methodist Church uh, in California. And, and uh, yeah, he just said, hey, there's an opportunity here. Are you interested? And I said, okay, sure. Uh, it was the, the role of uh, director of handbell choir. And so, nice. Uh, <laughs> yes, man. So my first uh, my first opportunity to serve at church was directing a handbell choir. Uh, for those of you who don't know what a handbell choir is, you know you've got about twenty to thirty people. Uh, everyone's got their own little bells. Some of the rock stars have like six bells at the same time, and they're doing all the notes. Uh, it's pretty wild stuff. It's pretty amazing. Just Google it. It's it's pretty amazing stuff. And so while I was at Hemet United Methodist Church, um, one of the assistant pastors uh, uh, had heard that I was uh, had played guitar. Um, uh, the story of that was I used to play, um, you know, really loud music, uh, very loud music. I actually didn't even own an acoustic guitar. I just had this really beefy uh, Telecaster. Nice. And uh and uh and so she she found out that I uh, that I played and she wanted to start a contemporary service. And so uh I hopped on. I said, "Sure, you know, I don't know anything about uh, about contemporary Christian music at the time. Uh Chris Tomlin was kind of, you know, in in his heyday and stuff and uh I had no idea any of this kind of music." And so I uh, just jumped in with my beefy Telecaster. I played songs way too fast. I played songs way too loud uh, for the congregation that I had, um, and uh, it was a it was a blast, man. It was it was so much fun uh, just to to jump in and and to use uh, what I had to to serve Jesus at the time. Um, from there, I, I moved out to Colorado eventually, where I helped with the church plant. It was just me and a senior pastor. So um, I had a few years where I was just helping uh, lead that church plant in Colorado. Um, I had the opportunities to start teaching and start doing discipleship. Hmm. And from there, I got plugged into a uh, mega church um, in uh, the, the Portland metropolitan area in Aurora, uh, Colorado, where I jumped on in, in worship, but then I also was doing young adults and teaching that and uh, also helped out with choir. Um, that's when I was getting my bachelor's in music. So um, I really was using my formal education in music to, to really bless the church and to equip people. Uh, eventually, my wife and I were sent out to Portland. And so uh, we've been out here for five years. Uh, it's been uh, it's been great, you know. It's, I got plugged in with Western. Um, I started uh, my formal education uh, in, in theology and in seminary. So, uh, yeah, it's been a, a roller coaster of a ride. Uh, right now, I, I've actually been serving a few uh, local churches here in the Portland area, and so uh, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. Very cool. I mean, I didn't realize how much we had in common. This is actually really funny. I got saved when I was 20. The Lord found me and saved me. Immediately, I started serving uh, on a worship team, playing guitar, <clears throat> using my formal music uh, education degree that I was studying at the time to help conduct mm -hmm. choir in uh, a little orchestra wow, every once in a while, like uh, all of those same things um, <laughs> cool. before coming in. And I'm like in the full contemporary worship world um, mm -hmm. that I live in now. But uh, before that, before I was saved, I started attending church when I was 18 and I went to a really traditional church, open your hymnal, turn to hymn number. They wouldn't even say yeah. the name. They would say the number. Uh, and you'd sing the <laughs> yeah, first, yeah. second and fourth stanzas of whatever that hymn was. And occasionally I actually served on the handbell, uh, choir wow. team. 
Okay, okay. There were only two guys. So one guy on the very end with the lowest bells, and then I yeah, was on the other end with the highest bells. A girl, a girl of the church, you know, uh, got pregnant. And when she gave uh, birth to her baby, uh, she had to step off the team for a while. And I was like, hey, I'm here. I'm a music major. I'll step in. <laughs> and so that was my first experience leading worship. Was, cool, uh, I, I don't even know yeah, if I'd call it leading worship in the way that I understand. Oh, yeah, we had the gloves. And oh, man. <laughs> So if you're at a church right now and you're being asked to do handbells and you think you're too cool for that, humble yourself (laughs) before the Lord, play the handbells and then see what the Lord might do in your life. Um, But anyways, it was fun. Uh, And then, yeah, that, yeah, two years after I started going to church, Lord saved me and I got thrown into thrown into leadership so early, so quick when I knew very little about how to lead people. And that kind of leads us into the conversation today, which is, you know, now I'm, I'm 27. I'm, I just finished my first year and a half of seminary. Um, because I really want to grow. I want to know theology better. And I'm naturally, I I've been that way. And so I, I kind of gravitated towards studying deeply as soon as I started following Jesus, I was discipled by a guy who basically my first year of being a Christian was like, Hey, go buy this commentary, like mm-hmm. open your Bible, open a commentary, think deeply about the word. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I just kind of been that way naturally, but I really, um, about two years ago said, Hey, I want to take a, a greater step in, uh, developing, uh, not just my worship leading ability, but my ability to think deeply about the word of God and to understand the word, uh, on God's terms, right? I don't want to just read it and say, Oh, what do I think about this? But I want to understand how it was written, why it was written, how to interpret it, how to do biblical and systematic mm-hmm. theology. And so that led me to Western seminary, which is where we met. And I want to just hear a little bit about uh, maybe why you decided uh, to go to Western, why you decided to pursue a seminary degree, uh, maybe why you think it would be important for someone listening right now to maybe consider that as well. Yeah, that's that's great. And it's wonderful to hear that you had uh, just that great experience of somebody really taking you under yeah. their wing and and training you on, on how to do that. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the experience of a lot of people, you know, um, I know that wasn't necessarily my experience, you know, um, my focus, uh, really early was, was on performing, uh, the act of, of leading music. Like that was really the focus. Um, and it was over years that I had to really, um, expand kind of what my, my understanding of, of, of leading music and leading worship was, uh, it took me a long time before, um, and, and a lot of, trial and error and and grief and all of those things to, to realize, hey, like, uh, I need to be in the Word with my pastor. You know, I need to be in sync, uh, not only in the Spirit, but then also it, logistically. Like, I, I, I want to know what what's being preached on, you know, uh, yeah. what, what, you know, what sermon series, or, you know, like, even things like introducing new songs, like, all of those ways are, are ways that we can connect in a, in a, in a greater way with our, with our leadership. Um, but then also for you and me and for, for worship leaders, uh, just for us to grow in our relationship with the Lord and how to interpret Scripture and how to apply certain things, uh, these themes that come out in Scripture and how that can really uh, find its way into the music that we do, but then also even the, the, way, that we, the way that we do it. You know, uh, 
it, there's there's an expository um, worship experience that can happen there. Mm. You know, when we as as worship leaders are, are in the text uh, and and praying and seeking God's uh, uh, will and direction on on how to lead our people. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my experience. You know, um, I started studying music um, because I wanted to grow kind of formally right like i knew music but i didn't know music theory uh, i knew yeah. how to play guitar but i didn't really know actually i started on trumpet so then i taught myself some guitar but i didn't know how to play piano i didn't really know how to sing um all of those things i i really felt like i wanted to grow in a more a more formal setting i wanted somebody who who knew better than me <laughs> to teach me and train me in the ways uh, that could just help me enhance my craft um, and help me to do that better. And I think similarly uh, in seminary, you know, it's a way for us to grow as shepherds and as leaders uh, to to shepherd the congregation well. You know, we can do ministry, um, but I believe that, you know, God uh, can call us into a deeper uh, growing to understand our full potential and our abilities, the gifts that he's given us and how we can bless the church. Uh, just by by be, being willing to, to to challenge ourselves in that way, um, you know, my experience in seminary has been great. You know, at Western Seminary, there's a the the spectrum of students is tremendous. You know, I've been in the classroom with with Pentecostals, I've been in the classroom with the Presbyterians, uh, you know, and and everything kind of in between. Uh, and just having that diversity of thought, even uh, while you're wrestling through theological things, has just been a tremendous uh, blessing for me. You know, I came into seminary, if I'm completely honest, I came into seminary thinking I was going to become like a cessationist Reformed Baptist. Like I was like, this is it. <laughs> You know, I was like turning in my charismatic card, like I'm just going <laughs> to seminary and becoming a Reformed Baptist. And, you know, honestly, man, like what happened was I actually gained a deeper foundation for what I believe. Yeah. Uh, and that was surprising to me. I thought that I was going to be trained in a particular way. Uh, and at Western, man, I've, I've just been able to to wrestle with the text and to understand uh, kind of my own um, my own positions and kind of where that is. Uh, you know, where I fit kind of theologically and things like that. Uh, another so benefit of, of being at seminary is you're around professors, you know, who are practitioners, you know, uh, at Western, like every professor is, is serving at their local church, uh, is, is writing on topics uh, that, that are uh, challenging the church at large, but then also ministering to the, the local church. And so it's just been great. Uh, I, I think my experience at, in seminary has been tremendous. Uh, and really, it came from a willingness to, to want to grow in those areas. Um, so, yeah, it's been great. Man, I love that. Yeah, I've I found that to be true <clears throat> at Western. Just the uh, the diversity of thought among the professors uh, that I've had, who all think very deeply, but don't necessarily agree on every single theological mm -hmm. topic. Yeah. Uh, you make the joke, Reformed Baptist. I am. Uh, you, that's me. I'm the Reformed Baptist. Uh, I'm not a cessationist, but uh, I am a Reformed Baptist at heart. I, I you know was discipled in the Baptist Church. I'm in a non-denominational church now. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but at this point, my, my listeners know this already. We are moving churches uh, to join the SALT network in the Midwest. Uh, and uh, they're, they're a Southern Baptist church, a, a network of churches planting. Um, 
but the fact that you know, you can have all of these different thoughts and, and respect for one another and, and to really think deeply, which I think is a common misconception is that uh, like the group that thinks deeply are the you know, cessationist, Reformed Baptist. And if I begin to step into the world of seminary, I'm going to lose my expression and my passion for the Lord. And I'm going to become this cold, deep thinking, heartless. Like, it's kind of this like weird, like, it's like, who do you think we are? Like all these people in the seminary just like, don't really love Jesus. They just love yes. maybe the word. Um, <laughs> but, but that's not true. That's not how we view it. And yeah. so I, I, yeah. Have you had experienced any of those thoughts or encounter anybody who thinks like, that. Yeah, you know, I think that the funniest thing uh, being in seminary, one of the funniest things you realize is, is uh, the straw men that you kind of build in your mind. Yeah. Uh, and how you need to, to you know, it's like you can argue with, I don't know, uh, an Arminian all your life until you meet one and you go have coffee. <laughs> yeah. And you talk about where you agree maybe on things, you know, these deeper topics of theology. You yeah. know, um, I just think that we have such a, a, a tendency to kind of build. I did that even with coming to seminary. I built yeah. this image of what I thought seminary would be. Uh, and then when I arrived there and I actually experienced it, it was a completely kind of different than what I had expected. And so, yeah, I think that diversity of thought is great. And it's it's wonderful, honestly, to be in the, in the classroom uh, going through um, – these sorts, whether it's biblical languages or uh, views on evangelism or uh, contextualizing Christianity within our culture, uh, it's great to be in the in in the classroom, uh, be trained and discipled by professors, and then you know should you have a different understanding or come to a different understanding than your professor, that's that's welcome. That's not like, you know. Um, whether you have a different view on on all of these sorts of like you know uh, landmine sort of topics, uh, the 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 exercise is that you're actually growing together. Yeah. Uh, and at, now I understand your position more, and I understand kind of where I come from as well. Yeah. And so I always tell people like, there's nothing wrong with traditions. Um, I think that there is something wrong when we don't understand them. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. we all have traditions, but. Um, you know, I'll be honest, Dalton, I still don't really understand the concept of, of a handbell choir, right? Like, I know it's a tradition, but I don't know. I, I need, maybe yeah. it's in the Bible somewhere. Um, <laughs> it's just a, it's a tradition that I yeah. don't fully understand. But yeah. at the time, I wasn't questioning that, right? I was just like, just just kind of in it. Um, Man. But whenever we, when we, ch- not challenge, but when we grow an understanding of our, of our traditions, I think we can become more effective ministers, more effective musicians, because we know why we're doing what we're doing. And we're not just doing things because that's just how we've always done it. Yeah, man, that is so good. Um, Hey, we talked about this a little bit before we jumped on the uh, official recording, but I want to bring it back up is, you know, we live in a world where I hear this a lot, which is, I mean, we have access to so much information. Why, why would I need to go to seminary? I can read a book on that. I can go to a conference on that. I can learn that. And, and what I've seen is, is a lot of people kind of downplay the benefit of seminary, mm-hmm. uh, because we have access to all the resources, um, but what I've seen is one, I've had to read books and be exposed to things in seminary. I never would have picked up if I didn't actually go uh, to Western. And then also a lot of times 
that might be an argument for why you don't necessarily need seminary. But then what happens when those people also aren't reading those books and they're also not actually going to those conferences? And I've seen kind of a, a culture of maybe poorly equipped worship leaders or, or young worship leaders who just rise to leadership so quickly, but they don't have yeah. all of the uh, theological training or even the character that I've, man, I, I read a book at Western called Gospel Treason that maybe to, to this date is one of the most like formative things I've ever read to shape my own heart around what it means to follow Jesus. It wasn't a, an academic thing. It was just a heart shaping book that one of my classes mm -hmm. was like, hey, we want you to be faithful followers. We want you to be good husbands, not just, uh, you know, pastors at your church. And mm -hmm. so, you know, what do you think? Have you seen some of that in your own walk? What are your, what are your thoughts on maybe the, the downplaying of seminary? Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of my greatest things that I, I really love to do uh, lately has been to kind of analyze the, the liturgy that we have in non-denominational non churches. Mm -hmm. uh, now, when we say things like liturgy, a lot of people kind of run for the hills, you yeah. know, but, you know, we all have these sorts of rhythms of church that we do. And so I can totally see why somebody would, would question why I go to seminary, because we just do church, right? We just do what we do. Um, but the fact is that, you know, worship musicians are, are given the keys to the worship service. Um, and they oversee about, I'd say, anywhere from 60 to 80% of a church service. You know, uh, maybe not minute by minute, you know, obviously the pastor and preaching of the word can take up more time, but things like transitioning and welcoming and, and sending out all of these things, worship musicians are really kind of given the keys to, you know, and, and I think that's a tremendous amount of responsibility that we have, you know, and, and sometimes I think we get so focused. I know I did this. I was so focused for years on whether or not. I, I would mess up. Like I was so focused on, on the performance mm -hmm. aspect of, of not messing up that yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize just the magnitude of, of what it means even simply to, to welcome a church, to open in prayer, to, to read scripture, to encourage one another, or, uh, you know, like I said, even at the end of the service, to, to bless and send people out uh, to, to go about their life and, and live a life of worship. You know, and I think for us as, as worship musicians, I think we just don't really understand the, the tremendous amount of, of responsibility that we're given. And, and I don't blame even senior leadership, senior pastors. I don't know if they necessarily know that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that it, it's just, it, that just happens to be how we do church. And so, yeah, the question that I would just kind of ask people, you know, if they're considering seminary, if they're on the fence, if they're you know, just don't see the value of it. I would really ask the question, like, do you want to grow in your craft? Like, do you want to, to, to grow um, theologically? Do you want to grow in understanding? Um, just in the same way, you know, like if you're a musician, do I need to learn music theory? Do I need to learn, uh, you know, all of these formal things in music? Now, the answer to that can be no. You, you know, you don't have to say yes. You can, we can be complacent with where we are. You know, I come in and I play the lead line, you know, I'm a lead electric guitarist and then that's all I do. Like that's God bless you. You know, like you don't have, we don't, you don't have to uh, necessarily feel that burden, but for those of us who are called to leadership and really want to grow and, and see 
how God has, has made us and how God has equipped us. And, and to, to see that kind of realized in, in our churches, in our ministries, I think the question is, uh, do we want to grow in our craft? And um, yeah, that's a big question. I know that that for me, that's one of the reasons why I came to seminary. Um, I, I know I had mentioned to you, like, I was already doing ministry. Like, I was already engaged in my local church. I was already uh, given these sorts of keys of responsibility. I was already learning the ropes of, of why I do what I do and all of those things we've talked about. But I really felt like I wanted to, to challenge myself uh, even a little bit more um, just to continue to grow um, in, in, in knowing Christ, but then also to, to, to use that uh, knowledge to, to bless and encourage the church. Yeah. Yeah. I found myself in a similar situation where I was, I was in full-time worship ministry for several years um, and no one was pressuring me to go to seminary. Uh, but I had a desire and I wanted to continue growing, even though other people had already said, man, you, you already have a pretty good grip, but I, I knew that there was more room uh, to grow in that. Um, one thing I've, I've encountered quite a bit, uh, and, and maybe it is because I, I have a particular passion for worship leaders being theologians, not just musicians. Yeah. Um, and I've been told this by several people, may, maybe too many. It's become like a pet peeve of mine. And so if anybody at my church is watching this and you've said this to me, it's okay. <laughs> I love you. I love you so much. Uh, but it's that, hey, Dalton, I see that you love the word and you love theology, I actually think that you're not going to be a worship leader for very long. I think maybe the Lord might be calling you into, uh, they'll say something like a senior pastor or a lead pastor or a real pastor. They might say a real pastor. Um, and, and almost as this, uh, they don't do this intentionally, but I've seen a downplaying of the importance of, of worship leaders loving the word of God, almost like if a worship leader really loves the word of God, that he's not going to be a worship leader for long. Like he's, he's called into a deeper level of leadership. And I, and I actually think that what I would love to see is a generation that's younger than us. Like the guys who are 20 years old right now, mm -hmm. Yeah, grow in their love for the word first in, in one grow for their love of Jesus, mm -hmm. the word made flesh and then grow in their love for his revealed word to us and grow in their love for following the spirit. Yes. Grow in their love for theology, not just platform, not in a world of TikTok and YouTube, which I mean, we're a YouTube, like I get it. Mm -hmm. uh, but in a world of Instagram and likes and that church looks cooler and bigger and better and faster. Uh, what would it look like to grow in the things that are not seen and celebrated as much like yeah. your, your personal character, your love for God's word, yes. uh, the things that happen in the secret places. And so do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I completely agree. I think that that's, um, that's a key. That's a key for us. I think you hit on it. It's about character, you know, and it's a, it's about us, um, as musicians, I would say, you know, uh, yes, for the, for the worship uh, pastor, the worship leader to be a theologian, but I would also just expand that to the worship team, that the worship yep. team would be a people of prayer. You know, one thing yeah. that I love to do at the churches I serve is like, you know, when, when, when church is over, don't just wrap chords, you know, be available, be available for prayer, be available uh, to serve and minister to others. Because I want the congregation to know that like the worship team is a, is a people of prayer, a people of worship, a people of 
hey, like of, of talking and, and kind of going through those sorts of um, ways to encourage and, and comfort one another. I think, yeah, I, I think it would be beautiful to see that, you know, that shift um, uh, to see to see music as not just something that we we do and it's fun and it makes, you know, you know, it's like a little mini concert, you know, when you start the week out or whatever. But for us to actually see that, like, no, we are equipping and ministering people to live in in a world that's broken and challenging. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I would just love to see worship pastors, worship leaders, and worship teams become just a, an army of prayer and and encouragement and uh and love uh, for the congregation so yeah man i'm right with you man that's great that's yeah that's so good one last thing uh before we jump into my rapid fire no prep questions would be just this uh if someone feels like finances are a barrier because I know for me, that was one of the the things is like, I can't go into debt. I don't want to uh, overextend where I'm at financially for this. <clears throat> do you have any tips for someone who may be wanting to do seminary, but doesn't know if they'll be able to afford it? Yeah. Uh, you know, I would say there's kind of two sides to that. The first question I would ask would be, you know, are, are you considering like kind of a vocational uh, move? Uh, like, are you, uh, are you desiring to be a pastor? Um as for your life, like for your for your main income, I mean, uh, part of part of worship uh, is for us to do that in every avenue of our life. And so, yep. for some people, you know, if you have a um, a gift in finance, like maybe you're, you know, that's just where you're going to be serving. So that would be the first question that I have for somebody: like, is seminary the right um, uh, the right direction for you? Like, well, do you, is that is that going to be a vocational thing uh, for you? Um, now there are options, you know, to continue to get to be trained and to be, you know, continue to grow theologically. Uh, you had mentioned just the, the the tremendous plethora of like resources that we have nowadays, yeah. you know, uh, that we can just kind of engage with. I know that Western has a, a specific uh, department called the Center for Leadership Development. Yes, and uh, where where we equip lay people and and leaders that don't need a formal degree. Uh, and they don't want to write all the essays that we get to write, you know, (laughs) get (laughs) to write. I like that, (laughs) but it just, you know, allows them to kind of grow, uh, theologically and things like that. So that would be the first thing, you know, um, kind of where, where do you land vocationally, uh, on that sort of a thing? And then for those of us who, um, who, who do feel that vocational call uh, into ministry, uh, I would just prayerfully seek, um, you know, uh, how maybe resources is like scholarships, uh, might apply to you. There are some graduate level scholarships that you can look out for. I know at Western, we offer a tremendous amount of church partnerships uh, and scholarships uh, that we offer to students. So um, it's worth, I always tell people, it's worth the effort, you know, uh, to, to find out if it's a possibility for you, you know. Yeah, um, yeah you know, I just think that that's, that's such a critical thing for us. If you never try, then you'll never even find out what's possible. Yeah. And so yeah. um, if, if it is that vocational move for you, yeah, just look into that. Um, I, I've known uh, also fellow students who, who, who have done uh, a bit of like fundraising uh, to kind of make their way through, through seminary, you know, just finding uh, those uh, aunts and uncles and, and friends who, who believe in you and believe in, in the direction God is taking you. And just being willing to to be humble and ask uh, for some help, you know, I think uh, we would be 
surprised to find out just how much people um, love us and you know see the work of God in our lives and want to bless us in that way. So yeah, don't be afraid. You know, just keep that humble spirit and uh, see what God will do. Yep. I love it. I get one of the, uh, I get a small scholarship from Western for, for my stuff. And I've also been blessed to have a church that would help pay. And so maybe, yeah, talk to your leadership, see if there's a budget mm-hmm. set aside to help you in that way. And I even know a friend who's going to seminary right now, who he has no idea who this was, but when he went to pay for his first year of seminary, someone had anonymously paid his entire tuition for wow. him and didn't tell wow. him he didn't know who it was. And every once in a while, he'll put an update like just on Facebook. He's like, Hey, I don't know who you are, but if you're watching this, who paid for me, mm-hmm. thank you so much. Like here's where my grades are at. Like you, you haven't, you know, invested in vain. And so, uh, just a cool story <laughs> yeah. of, of the Lord providing. Um, well, uh, to finish up, I want to ask a couple of quick questions. These are just kind of fun questions. You live in Portland. What yes. is the best coffee in Portland? Best coffee is a tough one because there's so many coffee shops. Um, I would say Insomnia Coffee is one of my favorites. Um, they do a lot of training and tasting and stuff. Uh, they're a great, great coffee company. The real question is what the best donut is in Portland. I don't know if you know this, Dalton, but there are so many donut places. <laughs> and uh, th- that's the really contentious question. Like, what's the best donut? So I would say I'm a kind of a classic donut guy. I would say Cocoa Donuts. Um, all my Cocos fans out there, you know what I'm saying? Uh, anyway, so. <laughs> Very cool. Um, all right, worship leader, you're playing guitar. What's your go-to guitar? Uh, I've got my Taylor 414 CE. Um, nice. I love that thing. Uh, I loved it since I heard it on Phil Wickham's uh, first album. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and man. so, yeah, my, I, I love my Taylor, man. I saw your Taylor versus Martin uh, episode. This is my, my Taylor man, right here. I just love Taylor's, man. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I love them both. I also do love my beefy Telecaster, but nice. I don't know if many people love that. <laughs> I uh, I like tellies. I I've owned two or three tellies, I, at least three, and I've sold all of them. And I I don't know why. I like I modded one out myself, put a Bigsby on it, replaced all the pickups oh, and nice. wiring, and it sounded awesome. But at the end of the day, they're just a little too twangy for me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I play a Duesenberg now. Um. Well, cool. Uh, one more favorite book you've read this year or just a good book recommendation you have off the top of your head? Sure. Yeah. In the area of, of uh, musical worship, I would say uh, The Worship Pastor uh, is a great, uh, Zach great. Eswin, that's a great book. Um, also, Worship by the Book uh, by Don D.A. Carson Yep, uh, is a wonderful book uh, in the area of, of worship. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, another book that I've just enjoyed that's a great question. Uh, man, we read so much in seminary. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of washes over your head all of the things that you read. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm, I'm drawing a blank there, but oh, it's okay. those are some worship books. <clears throat> I, will, I will look. My, I just finished. These are all the books I read for my last paper for, for this past <laughs> semester at Western. But I'm going to give a quick shout out to this book. Uh, if you're a worship leader, let me see if I can get the light to look good on it. Um, if you're a worship leader... Oh, it's still blurry. It's called The Presence of God by Ryan Lister. Uh, let me see if I can get that in focus better. There it yeah. is. 
Presence of God by Ryan is a uh, professor at Western, uh, but I read this book because I wrote a, a paper on the book of Hebrews and specifically how we understand the presence of God through yeah. uh, through the book of Hebrews. And this book has been uh, totally foundational for my <clears throat> a better understanding of God's presence because we talk often about God's omnipresence, uh, especially in uh, you know you get these like debates about charismatic worship and and praying come Holy Spirit, and then you have these other guys who are like, well, God's already here. Why would you pray that? Uh, but but Ryan points out in this, Ryan Lister points out that. Uh, Yes, omnipresence is a theme of the scriptures, but it's not the primary. Uh, it's not the primary theme of God's presence. Mm-hmm. Actually, the primary theme that we th- see throughout the Bible is God's redemptive relational presence, and it's just really been a, a, a different perspective for me as I think about as a worship leader someone who's leading a church, how do we actually understand what it means to come together as God's people and engage in his presence? And man, I read the book of Hebrews multiple times this semester, specifically chapters eight through 10. And this is changing the way I view it when it talks about Jesus entering into the tent, not made by hands, but into heaven itself. And then it goes on to say, now you therefore have confidence to enter the holy places. And it's already defined. The holy places is not the tabernacle, it's heaven itself. We have access. It's so powerful. Wow. So That's this book, man, this book is a game changer. Love it. Awesome. awesome. Well, uh, that is, that's all I got, man. I just want to say thank you so much for hopping on. This was super fun. This is the longest conversation you and I have, have had outside of just <laughs> you helping me pick classes and things. Yeah. It's so, man, this was fun. Thank you so much. And uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime. I, I think there's more to talk about in this. Oh yeah, yeah. If you get me talking, man, get me on, uh, you know, royal priesthood, any of those things, man. I'll talk for ages. So, I love yeah, it. it would be a pleasure, man. <laughs> Very cool. If anybody watching this wants to follow you or you know connect with you more, where can they yeah. do that? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, just look me up, Adrian Tijerina. Uh, my uh, A G underscore Tijerina, T I J E R I N A. You can connect with me there. Uh, also, you know, to, for Western Seminary, uh, just check out westernseminary.edu. Um, if you have any questions, you can get hooked up with a uh, academic advisor that can kind of help you navigate those questions about uh, whether seminary is right for you, uh, things like financial aid and all those sorts of things. Uh, or feel free to reach out to me directly, uh, you know, uh, through, through Western. I'd uh, love to help you. Uh, navigate that. I used to be on on the admissions team, so uh, I know uh, most of the ins and outs. So um, would love to help you out and and be in touch. Yeah, and we'll put all that down below in the description of this video, so you can just go click on that. But thank you so much, Adrian. Super fun hanging out. Thanks for listening to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and also subscribe to the YouTube channel. And go ahead and give this podcast a rating in whatever podcast player you're listening to it in. And we'll catch you in the next episode.